He's so worthy of our worship. He's so worthy of our very lives to be um, just in love with the Lord. Do you love the Lord? Do you love the Lord? Do you love the Lord? You know, sometimes when your love might get a little bit cold, a little bit distant from Christ, all you got to do is remember when God saved you and how God saved you. And I'll tell you what, it'll, it'll, it'll maybe reignite your heart of how much God and what God did to rescue you, what God did to save you. Because, beloved, our God is an amazing God. And we are on a journey to love the Lord, to learn about him, to continue to follow him, to continue to be, if I can put it this way, trained by him, to continue to learn that he wants to be number one in your life. Amen? God wants to be number one in your life because what did Jesus say? You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, and with all of your strength. That's what God wants. And so we are in a great book that expresses that love that God has for us and, and the desire that the Lord has to be number one in our lives. We're in the book of 1 Peter. We started that series a couple of Sundays ago. And our pastor, dear pastor, is pr- a pray for him and his family. He had the uh, uh, homegoing service for his father, Johnny Vines, yesterday uh, in South Carolina. So he is back in that part of the country today and will be at meetings next week. And so I have the uh, privilege to stand before you, bring the word of God uh, today to you. Um, and I know if our pastor was here, he would love to um, uh, preach and, and teach from First Peter this, this great book. We went, excuse me, Second Peter, because we went through First Peter a while back, and now we are in Second Peter. So if you would take your Bibles and open them up, we're going to use your Bible today to the book of 2 Peter, which is in the New Testament and toward uh, the end of the New Testament. If you don't have a Bible, I want to invite you to use one that is in the the, the rack there, the pew rack. And um, as we continue to learn from God what he has to say to us, let's pray together. Father, thank you for your presence today. God, thank you for your goodness today. God, thank you for your grace. Thank you for all the mercy that you give us. Thank you for your faithfulness. And Lord, as we come to your word today, I pray that you would just you would uh, bring about, Lord, what we always ask of you, conviction. Bring about a challenge. Lord, help us not to be the same as your people, having um, not only heard your word, but take it to heart and apply it and obey it. Because, God, we know that you call us to be doers of your word, not hearers only. So I pray, Lord, today that you would bring about that that spirit of change in the power of your word as your servant hide me behind the cross, Lord, that the message would be about what you want to say to your people. We pray for our pastor and our first lady and their family that you bless them and give them, Lord, just your comfort. And, uh, Father, we know that they are faithful servants of of yours and just continued um, strength to continue to uh, serve you with all that they have because we know that they give all that they have to you. For you and for us, we see you church. And we thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. So last Sunday, just to, uh, I like to review because some of you may not have been here. And last Sunday, Minister Mike Dunn, gave us a wonderful message and reminded us of these beautiful scriptures, these beautiful verses in 2 Peter, verses 1 through 4. And uh, uh, he, he highlighted that the, the, really, um, the, the whole uh, focus of 2 Peter, because it's a continuation of 1 Peter, and Peter the Apostle wrote both books, is to help us understand the divine nature and blessings of God, the divine nature that you and I have if you have a relationship with Christ and the blessings that God has given to us. And in verses 1 through 4 of Second Peter, it's packed with so much, so much uh, uh, blessing that God has given to us. It, for example, in his outline was the means of his nature is the knowledge of God. 
that grace and peace, he says, be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God. Do you know that we as, as people of God, we live in his grace each and every day. And we live in God's peace. Even when things aren't going right, even when things don't seem to be, be working out the way that you want them to work out, you can have the peace of Christ in your life. Amen? You can have the peace of Christ in any circumstance. And so Peter starts out uh, after addressing these, these believers who, by the way, were under persecution, were having a very difficult time, worse than any circumstances you and I have, because I don't see any gunmen in the room. I don't see anybody threatening to, if you, if you uh, love Christ, I'm going to shoot your head off. I don't see anybody like that. We have the freedom to come and worship God, beloved. But these Christians were persecuted. They were in a place where if you talk about Jesus, your life could be on the line. And so he says that, that the means of, of the divine nature is the knowledge of God. And then the source of his nature is God's divine power in us. Because if you look at verse 3, just to review here, he says, and we have his divine power. He has given to us all things that pertain to what? To life and godliness. Through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. And so that life and godliness is the mission of the nature of God that is in you and I, believer in Christ. So as I, uh, what I want to say is that this, this, these verses, one through four, we could call them the fellowship of the faithful, that we have fellowship with God because of Jesus Christ. We have fellowship with one another because we belong in the family. Aren't you glad that you're part of the family of God? Come on. Some of your family members may not like you. Some, some of your immediate family, you may be at, at, at odds with a family member. You know, you, you gather for Thanksgiving or Christmas, and it's not fun. And so as a family of God, we have um, a common bond, and that is the blood of Jesus Christ, the, 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 um, the, the, the divine nature of God in us, that we can call each other brother and sister and learn to live like that as people of God in his family. So the fellowship of the faithful. And I've already said that the key words about that is grace and peace. Uh, we have God's exceedingly great and precious promises. If you look at verse 4, by which we have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises. You know what would be a cool study? And I challenge one of you, or I ask one of you maybe to do this, is to uh, go through the Bible and mark all the promises that God has given to us. Now, if you're not sure how to do that, you could go. You could. You could. Uh, you could get uh, go to the uh, Christian bookstore, and you could get all the promises of God book. You could get resources to help you with that. But for example, Jesus gave us the promise of eternal life. Amen. And the promise of the Holy Spirit, and the promise that God gives to us in prayer. Think about that. I can talk to the amazing creator God of the universe anytime, anyplace, anywhere. And so can you if you are a believer in Christ. You can talk to God anytime, anywhere. The problem is we don't talk to God enough. And so the promises that God gives to us in all these things, and then he says that we are partakers of what? The divine nature having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. We are partakers of the divine nature. We are partners. We are sharers, beloved. So here's, here's the whole point of this. What Peter does is he says, I want you to know all that God has given you. I want you to know what you have in Christ. I want you to know that you, God has so amazingly blessed you, believer in Christ, that there's no excuse, listen, there's no excuse for you to live under the bus. There's no excuse for you to live in, in, the, in the sinkhole. There's no excuse for you to live in the pit. You get me? Because God has given to us all the promises and the, his divine nature 
and he's equipped us with the things that we need to live in the victory of Jesus Christ. Can I have an amen? And so, beloved, what he says, what he says in verses 5 through 10, and we're going to look at that in this message today, since we belong to God, we have all that God has given to us, then Peter, listen, wants us to take action. Because if you just sit on what God has given you, you don't go anywhere. Amen? If you, if, you, if you read the word of God and say, okay, God, you've given me this, but we don't apply it and we don't, we don't uh, make it active in our life, we're not going to go anywhere spiritually. And so listen to what he says as we read verses 5 through 7. He says, but also for this very reason, giving what, beloved? Giving what? All diligence. Come on, read it with me. Giving all diligence. He says what? Add to your faith virtue. To virtue, knowledge. To knowledge, self-control. To self-control, perseverance. To perseverance, godliness. To godliness, brotherly kindness. And to brotherly kindness, love. Here he talks about, I believe, now the fruit of the faithful. We, 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 we have in verses 1 to 4 the fellowship of the faithful. Now he gives us the fruit of the faithful. And what bears fruit? How can we bear fruit? We'll talk about what that means in a moment. But the action that bears fruit. He starts out in verse 5 by saying what? And by the way, as I was talking with Minister Mike, and he's preaching at uh, Spring Valley this morning, and we're in the same text, he says, I'm going to make my message expository. Basically, what that means is line by line, word by word, not not Pastor Mike's idea, Minister Mike's idea, but God, his word. That's what you get at New Seasons Church when you come to New Seasons Church. You get the word of God line by line and word by word, because that's what we need, beloved, to help us be strong for Christ. And so he says here, he says that this, these are the actions that bear fruit. He says, notice, with all diligence. And he gives us the, this list of godly characteristics. And we'll look through these as I uh, put them on your notes here. But let me ask you, what does it mean to be diligent? What does it mean to be diligent? Anybody, what does it mean to be diligent? Consistent, okay, Determined? Absolutely. Somebody else. Persevering. Someone else. To, to be diligent. You, you're, you're asked by your boss to be diligent in your work, right? I hope you are. What's that, Kenny? Huh? You do what you're asked. You, uh, you, you, uh, you, you want to do a good job in, on your, uh, at your workplace, right? You want to be faithful to your employer, don't you? Because if you're not faithful to your employer and you don't do what you're asked, what's going to happen? You're not going to continue to get a paycheck. All right? I, parents, parents, diligence in uh, raising their children, diligent in their home. Um, uh, spouses, how can we have a good marriage? Just by saying, I love you way back at the altar and then expect that it's just going to continue? You have to keep working at it. Beloved, in all of life, we see diligence, don't we? In all of life, we're called to diligence. I checked it out. Webster's definition of diligent is being careful and persistent it, uh, to work, uh, a persistent work or effort, a constant and earnest effort to accomplish what is undertaken, conscientiousness in paying proper attention to a task. Some of the things that you already mentioned. Now, let's talk about spiritual diligence because that's where Peter is going here. He says, um, giving all diligence. Let me ask you, is reading your Bible once a week diligence? How many of you are continuing with the F-260 plan, the Bible reading plan? Come on. Ooh, a few, few hands, few hands. Okay, I love you. What's, what's, what's going on with the rest of you? Beloved, God has given us a wonderful pastor to challenge us to read the word of God every single day. 
and it's so easy to find it. I left my phone in my office, so I can't show you, but basically it's a Bible app, and you open that up, and you read the Word of God every day, at least, what, a couple of chapters a day. That's all it takes. And you go through the Bible and read about God's Word and, and get and, and understand what's going on. And a few of you raised your hand. I want to challenge you to turn the page today and go home and say, guess what? Pastor Mike or the Spirit of God convicted me. I haven't been reading the daily plan. The F-260 plan is so easy to find. And if you're not sure, ask me after service. I'd be glad to show you how to find it. But beloved, beloved, how can you expect to get the knowledge of God if you don't read this book? Come on, let's be honest. Let's be honest. Let's be real with one another. We need this book every day. Just like, it, you know, I'm taking vitamins and, and you know, the, the things that we need for our physical body. We need this book, the Word of God. Let me ask you, um, does knowing what God says to do, but picking and choosing what you want to do about what he wants you to do, is that diligence? No, it's not. Does once in a while getting with other Christians like, you know, life groups or, uh, or, or, or gathering together other than Sunday, is that diligence? No, it's not. No, it's not. Does making excuses why you're not following the Lord in some area of your life diligence? I'm asking you. No. So a spiritual diligence, beloved, is, is a constant effort and zeal to accomplish what God wants us to accomplish. And notice the text says, do all diligence to what? He says, show or, or be diligent to what? Add to your faith, virtue, and so on. The word add is, uh, is an imperative, which means it's a command. It, 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 in other words, this is God's will. This is God's will for every one of us who are followers of Christ. It's a command from the Lord. It's not an option. God wants us to be diligent to add to our life these different characteristics, these different actions for having a fruitful life with the Lord. And add to your faith. By the way, that word add means to supply or furnish or furnish abundantly. So I thought about this last night. If you were to buy a house or if you were to rent an apartment or buy a condo or something like that, and we're, we're kind of looking around Jeannie and I right now, and you walk in and you look at the place and it's empty and you say, yeah, this would work, this would work. So you sign the papers and you, you, you know, turn the key and you walk in the door and it's empty. You know it's empty. And so you bring your suitcase and you bring your clothes and you bring what you need and you just leave it empty for day after day after day after day. No furniture, no supplies, just leave it empty. You wouldn't do that, would we? We wouldn't do that at all. we got to furnish the house, right? Right, Gino? we got to furnish the house because, because we need those things to live. Okay, look at it. Look at it spiritually. God wants us to add. God wants us to furnish our spiritual house. <laughs> he, he, wants us, he wants us to equip our, our spiritual house so that, so that we can be living victoriously in Christ and not live under the bus, okay? And so he says, and, and, and here's the thing. It is the command from the Lord, as I mentioned. So if we say he's Lord, then we need to what? Live like he is Lord. Jesus is Lord. Amen. So we need to live like he is Lord. So he instructs, add to your faith that 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 which God has supplied. The faith he's talking about is back in verse um, verse uh, four, where he says that the precious um, th to those who have obtained precious faith in Jesus Christ. Actually, verse verse one back in verse one. So that's the kind of faith that he's talking about. So let's look at each action that bears fruit. He says, add to your faith what? Virtue. What is virtue? Virtue is that which is pleasing to God. Virtue, beloved, is moral excellence or behavior that shows high moral standards. 
that, that God, God has so um, done a work in our life. And you remember, I remember, you remember what it was like B.C., before Christ. You remember what you were like before Christ. And, and the point is, he, he wants us to, to continue to pursue moral excellence, that which is pleasing to God. I wear on my ring, my, my life verse is 2 Corinthians 5, 9, where Paul says, I want to live my life pleasing to God. That's my life verse. That's my desire, to live my life pleasing to God. Do I always do it 24-7? No. Do I have issues? Yes. Do I have, you know, uh, it, does, does my, you know, does everything, uh, my transparency come out at home? Yes. Ask my wife. <laughs> but, but, but God wants us to live pleasing to him. Look at this verse in 1 Peter 2.9. He says this. He says, but you are, what, the chosen one, the ones chosen by God. Would you read it with me? Uh, chosen for the high calling of priestly work. Chosen to be what? A holy people. God's instruments to do his what? Work and speak out for him. I like the way the message is putting this, this verse. To tell others of the night and day difference he made for you from nothing to something from, reject, from rejected to accepted. The night, excuse me, the night and day difference. In other words, our lives are to show that we don't do the things that we used to do when we didn't follow Christ. Our lives are to show, my life is to show that I don't do the things I used to do when I didn't follow Christ. That's what virtue is. In other words, when you were before Christ, did you frequent the bars? Before Christ, did you, did you, uh, uh, did you shoot up? Before Christ, did you walk all over people? You wanted to be number one, and you, and you walked. Well, you, before Christ, did you watch movies and shows that fed your sinful desires? Before Christ, did you put yourself first? Are you still struggling with some of those things? You see, virtue is to say to, to the Lord, Lord, you know I'm weak. Lord, you know that I'm, I, I, I have issues and so on, but I want to pursue moral excellence. I want to live a life pleasing to you. I was talking with a brother the other day at uh, Brother of New Seasons Church, and he told me a story about how he used to live, how, how he used to have an attitude let me say it this way, and I wrote it down. An attitude that he said, it's hard to let go of the feel-good. It's hard to let go of the feel-good. And he says, Pastor Mike, he says, I used to live in that, that, that attitude. I used to live in that mindset. It's, I, I live for what feels good. The world lives for what feels good. The, the person without Christ lives for, but, but beloved, as a follower of Christ, we shouldn't live for what feels good. Amen? We should live what pleases God. And so I want to invite him up to uh, tell you his testimony because it sure was a blessing to me. Brother Tracy, come on up. And, uh, and I know, uh, I want to tell you, I love this brother. He's a changed man. And hearing about how he was before God got a hold of him, and even after he came to Christ and God had to teach him some things, all right, he's got a great story. Let's, let me get you a, a mic. Make sure that everybody can hear you. All right. All right. Go ahead, brother. Yes.
Thank you, brother. Thank you, brother Tracy. Yes, you can, you know, Tracy is a changed man. He's a changed man. And, you know, in his story, beloved, he heard about, you heard about diligence. You heard about how God was diligent with him. You heard about how God's people were diligent to pursue him. And what's interesting is in Second Peter, this is not written to one Christian. This is written to a whole church. This is written to a whole church about, about, about encouraging the believers to pursue and to, to, to take action with these things. And so we've heard a good, uh, we've seen a good example, an illustration of living, living pursuing virtue. And has, has Tracy arrived? Absolutely not. He would be the first to admit he hasn't arrived. Have I arrived? None of us have arrived. But the point is God wants us to continue to pursue and continue to live in moral excellence. And we need one another to do that. Amen? We need one another's encouragement and support to do that. And then he says, not only that, but he says, add to your life not only virtue but knowledge. And that's a growing, a growing knowledge of God. Uh, uh, we've already talked about how important it is to be in God's word and be around other Christians to learn about who the Lord is and the, the, the resources that New Seasons Church provides. I'm just amazed at how New Seasons Church provides so many opportunities to continue to learn more about God. All kinds of ways, CSI classes and different things. Then he says, add to your knowledge what? He says, add to that knowledge, uh, to knowledge self-control. Self-control, beloved. And this mainly, uh, he, what he's referring to is the trait of resolutely controlling one's own desires, like Brother Tracy uh, gave in his testimony, especially sensual desires. Not living in the feel-good, but living to allow the Holy Spirit to control our, uh, our, our passions, control our desires, that our desires would be godly. And then he talks about perseverance. He says, add to what? Not only self-control, but add to your life perseverance. Perseverance. What is perseverance? We've already talked about diligence. Perseverance is what? The power to withstand hardship or stress, especially the inward strength to do so. The word is hupamane in the Greek, and, and it's associated with hope. If you check out 1 Thessalonians 1.3, you'll see that word used. But it refers to the quality of character, notice, which does not allow one to surrender to circumstances or succumb under trial. We go through difficult circumstances. Maybe you're going through a difficult situation right now. And you can't figure God out. Let me ask you, can we always figure God out? No, we can't. We can't figure God out. And, and some, sometimes there, there's, there's a, we're in a situation where it doesn't make any sense at all, why we're, why we're in what we're in. But we got to know that God wants us to persevere. God wants us to continue to go forward. Uh, we had a great message from our pastor, our dear pastor, a couple of Sundays ago about continuing to strive to fulfill God's purpose in your life. And here's a, beloved, listen, when you have uh, perseverance, you don't want to check out. Amen? You don't want to check out. You, you, don't, you don't check out on God or his people. You stay in there. Even if there's issues that you have to work through or things that you have to work through in your family or a family member or another believer in Christ or whatever, you stick it out and you stay in because perseverance means I'm, I, I want to finish strong. You know, my heart and my goal and my desire is that I'm 60 years old now. I want to finish strong for the Lord. I want to finish strong. And I don't know how many years God has for me, but I want to finish strong. I don't want to go out just like a little plane. Poof. I want to go out strong for Christ. And that's if, if that's the, your desire, then stay in there and persevere. Then notice he says, adding to perseverance, what? Godliness. What could we say about godliness? Here's how I see godliness. Devotion to God. Devotion to God. Love the Lord your God with all your what? Heart, soul, mind, and strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. Love God and love people. Devotion to God is making him number one. Devotion to God is saying, Lord, I love my wife. 
I love my kids, I love my grandchildren, I love, I love my family, but you are first. You're first. You're supreme. And then, and I'm going through these rather quickly, I realize, but the next one is what? Add to your, uh, not only adding uh, to your, your, your action, let's say, okay, uh, brotherly kindness, godliness, and then brotherly kindness. One uh, brotherly kindness is one who loves his brother in the family of God. You know, the word is Philadelphia. If we went to Philadelphia, if we walked the streets of Philadelphia, and I didn't grow up in Philadelphia, would it be a, a city of love, Dottie? Would it be, brother, Jerry? It's called city of love. That's the word. But does it display love in the city of Philadelphia? He's shaking his head. This brother's shaking his head. Are you from Philadelphia? He's been there. Sister Dottie's from Pennsylvania. The word Philadelphia. Where, do, where can we display brotherly love in the family? I love that, that Brother Tracy's story is that Pastor Henderson and the, the deacons didn't let up. And they went and pursued him. They, they went to his home. They went to his job. They, you know, they bugged him, let's say, okay? They wouldn't let up. Brotherly love. And then he says what? Add to brotherly kindness what? Love. Love is the word you've heard it before. I'm sure it's the word agape. There's several words for love in the New Testament. But this word love means, notice, a strong non-sexual affection and regard for a person and their good as understood by God's moral character, especially characterized by a willing forfeiture, listen, of rights and privileges in another person's behalf. The word love means that contrary to culture, contrary to ethnic upbringing, contrary to what people say, as Christians, we are to love. Amen? We are called to a Christian culture. Here's the point. God, God put this on my heart when I was going through this, this text. We don't have rights as Christians. We, we, let, let me explain. Let me rephrase that. The only rights God calls us to is to, is to stay in his righteousness. Amen? Righteousness means to do right by God's standard. Righteousness means th to set the standard, the bar of my life high because God calls me to holiness. And, and, and as far as, as uh, um, okay, let me explain that further. To go the extra mile, to forgive every time, uh, to do right by God's standards, to not outshine others, to live for others, not ourselves. Because I've heard in the, in the many years I've been in ministry, Christians say, well, I have a right to hold a grudge. No, you don't. No, you don't. We don't have a right to hold a grudge. Because what does the Bible say? Forgive as Christ has forgiven us. Or the, uh, Christians might say, well, well, I have a right to entitlement. You know that, that our culture today is so caught up in entitlement. Young people have this attitude of entitlement. And, and, and there's a lack of respect for older people and so on because we're, we're, we, we, you owe me. But as Christians, beloved, what is, the, what is the Bible, what does God call us to? We are servants of whom? We're servants of the Most High God. So in the Christian culture, listen, we do have rights, listen, to love everyone unconditionally. Not expecting them to be the way we want them to be, like Brother Tracy was before, but to love them the way they are because that's how God loves. Amen? That's how God loves me unconditionally. That's how God loves you unconditionally. And we do have rights to put aside our differences and preferences for others. So notice that all these things, all these action words, or all these pursuing uh, diligence in this text, if we're diligent to pursue them, notice what the text says in verse 8. I want to go there. 
He says, for if these things are yours and abound, you will be what? Neither what? Barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. If these things are yours, if what things? Well, the things that we've already looked at in verses uh, 5 through 7. If these things are ours in abundance, in other words, if these are big with you, that's the only way I can put it. If these are what you and I go after, what we're passionate about, notice the result. It's the result of bearing fruit. It's not a life of barrenness, but a life of fruitfulness. To be barren means what? It means to be slothful, to, to be idle. Or let me put it another way, to be spiritually unemployed. To be barren in, in our Christian life is to be is like being spiritually unemployed. Uh, it, it's said here at New Seasons Church that we all have an assignment from God. Amen? And we all have a purpose to fulfill the God mi- God's mission. Amen? And notice that if you're idle or slothful or lazy in pursuing the kind of growth that God wants you to have, it's like being unemployed. Now let's think for a moment. What happens when you're unemployed? What happens when you're unemployed? It's not a good spot to be in, is it, to be unemployed? No job, no, no income, uh, no resources for yourself or for family, uh, no opportunity to make things better. I checked it out. I, I, um, there's an article that I found on um, being unemployed, if I can find it. Somebody wrote about what it's like to be unemployed. How does it feel to be unemployed? This is what they said. No job, no money, no life, insecurity, anger, desperation, uh, envy, shame, uncertainty, all those things about how it feels to be uh, unemployed. But he says, not only are you neither barren, but notice he says you're, 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 no, you're, um, you're not unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Unfruitfulness in the word of God means to be unprofitable or useless. Now, I know you don't want to be useless. I don't want to be useless. And God loves us. We know that. And we are the apple of his eye. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. And we're blessed what? To be a blessing. God blesses us to be a blessing. So our life is not designed by the Lord to be useless. It's like a tree that's dried up and and bears no fruit. Look at and let's just go to John 14:4, a couple of slides over. What does Jesus say? Abide in me and I in you as the branch speaking of us cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides where? In the vine. Jesus is the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. And so I don't know if you've ever looked at at a uh, grapevine and how a grapevine produces fruit and so on. But we but the but the but the the whole source of that fruit has to come from the vine, has to come from the power or the 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 riches, the the resources of the vine. And Jesus is saying, stay in me, remain in me, stay close to me, because as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. He says, neither can you. So, beloved, listen, it's good to examine our lives to see if we're bearing fruit for the kingdom of God. Because God's purpose for us is that we be fruitful. He wants, he doesn't want us to be spiritually idle. And notice where that unfruitfulness is to bear. He says what? To bear fruit in the knowledge, verse 8, of our Lord Jesus Christ. Knowledge is this word that means not just to know a little bit about God, but it means to come to know, to gain understanding, as you can see it on the screen, a knowledge of laying claim in the relationship that you have in Jesus Christ. Um, Monday, there was a uh, memorial service to Brother Derek White, and... um, the minister that gave the eulogy was a very good friend of Brother Derek's. And this, um, 
this minister Mike is his, his he was called he's he's called rather he said to the audience but also he was speaking to a row of pallbearers which were his his uh friends or brothers in Christ but he grew up with them he knew them he knew you know that he knew what they were like and he was like before Christ and and that kind of thing and and his message was basically he says He says, you may know of Jesus, but he said, not really know him. And he was speaking to everyone in the, in the, in the church, but mainly, as I said, to his brothers. Went the, these guys go to church, did the church thing. He knew them well, but he said, you know what? He says, I'm concerned about you because you're playing games with God. And, b- beloved, God doesn't want us to play games with him. Just do the church thing, but not really grow in the knowledge of Christ. Peter, in in his letter here, doesn't want that. In other words, he says there's no excuse when God has given us everything we need to pursue getting to know God more, saturating our minds with his word and obeying what God says. If If we do that, he says there's fruitfulness. Look at this psalm, Psalm 1. And we're almost finished. But Psalm 1 says what? Blessed is the man. Okay, that's generic term. That means ladies too. Okay. Blessed is the man who does what? Walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. That doesn't mean we don't associate with people that don't love God and know God. We need to associate with them. We need to have friendships with them so we can help them come to know Christ. But that that means not do the things they do, not get into their world and just compromise. So he says, blessed is the person who doesn't walk or doesn't live in the counsel of the ungodly. But verse 2, his delight, what? Read it with me. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And notice, and in his law, speaking of his word, he meditates day and night. Notice the next one. He shall be, here it is, he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season. Here it is. Whose leaf also shall not wither. And whatever he does, I love this promise, whatever he does, beloved, whatever we do, if we make the God our delight, whatever we do shall prosper. You want God's blessing in your life? Amen. Who wants God's blessing in his li- in your life? I'm testing you now to see if you hear me. Who wants God's blessing in your life? We all want God's blessing in our life. Amen. We want to live in God's blessing. And so notice in the text in verse 9, He says, for he who lacks these things, what things? All the actions, all the all the characteristics of um, what he's been describing in verses five through seven. He who lacks these things is short sighted even to blindness and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Peter says in his first letter. Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth, keep on going. I like the way the message puts verse 9 of, of our text. Without these qualities, you can't see what's right before you. Oblivious that your old sinful life has been wiped off the books. So you see, when we continue in these things and encourage one another in these things, we we live a life of fruitfulness. We, we, can, we live a life that we can be a blessing to others. We live a life where the joy of the Lord is in our talk. The joy of the Lord is in our walk. Do we have problems? Oh, yeah. You know, but we can still say, but I know God's in control. <laughs> but I know I can trust the Lord. And we can encourage one another in that way. And then just to to wrap it up with verse 10, he says, Therefore, brethren, what does it say? Be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. For if you do these things, what does it say, beloved? You will never stumble 
election or call is God's amazing call to bring you into his family. Election is God's calling us to salvation, choosing to save us. Peter talks about that in his first letter, and you can read that in verse 1 of how God decided to save you. God decided to save me. And he says, make sure that you are sure. How can we make sure? Therefore, be even more diligent. See that? Be even more diligent. Be even more aggressive. Because look at this in Matthew 7. Matthew 7. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. But he who does what, beloved? The will of the Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, these are Christ's words. Have we not prophesied in your name? Cast out demons in your name? And done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. But the, the reality is, there's going to be a lot of people in church that Jesus is going to say that to. Because it's not the church thing. It's not, it's not trying, to, trying to be religious, but it's having that relationship with Christ. And when we have that relationship with Christ, then, then, that relationship with Christ and the Holy Spirit in our lives gives us the desire and the, and, and, and the want to to live the way the Lord has called us to live. So he says, be more diligent. Be more diligent. I want to wrap this up by saying something. Oh, by the way, stumble is the word to fall into sin, to fall fail morally and now Peter isn't talking about being sinless but our pastor often says we're not called to be sinless because none of us are but we are called to what sin less and when we're on the pursuit of the knowledge of Christ and when we're practicing these things that we read in Peter's letter we can sin less. Amen? Amen? Would you bow your heads, please? I know this has been longer time this morning, but thank you for your patience. But I just wonder if there's somebody here this morning, somebody here this morning that you're struggling. You're struggling with your life with the Lord. You are a Christian, but you're just struggling because there's things that have hit you hard or whatever it is, and you just, you just realize that I can't focus on that. I just want to come back to the Lord. I want to come back to that close walk with Christ. I, I want to. I, I need to be encouraged. If, if, if that's you, would you just raise your hand? I just want to pray for you this morning. I just want to. I just want to thank you for that hand. I, I just want to encourage you and say that God, God has never left you. He never will, and He is the one that can take, br bring you close to Him. Or if you're not sure today you're not sure that you have that relationship with Christ that you're not say that you're not sure you're saved we want to help you make sure and so if you're not sure that you're saved the Bible says if you call on the name of the Lord you will be saved if that's you today just just lift slip up your hand just slip up your hand we always want to give an opportunity to come to Christ thank you thank you Lord we thank you today for your goodness. We thank you today for your grace. God, we thank you today for your word. If we didn't have your, wor your word, we'd be, we'd be lost in following you. But thank you, God, that you've given it to us. Lord, and in the weakness, my weakness in trying to explain these scriptures, I pray that you would reveal and you would just, un, uh, uh, just, just um, God, give understanding and wisdom to your people about this great letter of Second Peter. Help us to continue to be diligent to pursue the things of godliness that you call us to. Help us, Lord, to display that and be a testimony to others that my life has changed. And I haven't been called to be sinless, but I've been called to sin less. It's in your mighty name that I pray these things. Amen. Amen.